Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And we are here with a very special guest this week. Uh, Jed, introduce yourself to the listeners out there. Hi there, my name is Jed McKay. I'm a comic book writer. I do a lot of work for Marvel, but more, um, more applicable to this podcast is I currently write the Magic the Gathering comic book for Boom Studios. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for uh, being on the show, Jed. Uh, we absolutely love the comic so far. It is... I don't know. It just, everything about it is just like right. It just like hits the exact right vibes that I wanted out of a magic comic. And, and that is why I'm on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we would not invite you on here just to roast you. For <laughs> uh. We've got some questions, motherfucker, and you're going to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we're not that kind of podcast. Uh, we could be. No, we could. We really. It could be mean, but uh, I, I like being nice instead. Uh, yeah, so uh, you for for folks that aren't uh, familiar with your uh, work outside of this comic, uh, what have you been doing uh, other than the Magic comic in the last couple of years? People might uh, know yeah. you from. The uh, last couple of years I've been working for Marvel uh, almost exclusively. Mm -hmm. um, my sort of biggest book, or like, you know, the book most people know me from is uh, Black Cat. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had a solo running since 2018, I believe. Nice. Um, so I've been going for a bit. We we're on hiatus with COVID. We're back at it. Uh, unfortunately, it was recently announced that uh, we're going to be ending. But still, we'll, we'll have wrapped up 25 issues by the end of it. So that's you know, nice. a pretty, pretty good accomplishment for uh, a Black Cat-level character. So I'm very, very proud of that. Um, currently, I have coming out The Death of Doctor Strange uh, starting yeah. in September. Uh, I'm currently running Moon Knight. Moon Knight number two comes out next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the past, you know, I've worked worked with Daredevil, uh, Daughters of the Dragon, uh, Avengers, Max Strike. Uh, so yeah, just kind of a kind of a whole gamut of mm -hmm. Marvel characters, and just I've been very fortunate to kind of work with a lot of characters I really enjoy. But the, the my first sort of extension out of that was working with Boom Studios on the the Magic the Gathering license, which has Turned out to be a, a lot more exciting and more fulfilling than I had actually expected when I started working on the book. Uh, that it is was really cool to hear. Yeah, well, it's I was I was contacted in uh, probably spring of 2020. So COVID had basically shut down the entire comic book industry because uh, we have basically one distributor distributor, and when the distributor shut down, um, obviously no comic books were going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I found myself without any work to do. And boom, it emailed me and said, you know, Amanda LaFranco said, uh, listen, we just got the magic license. We want to, you know, we want to do a comic series, but we really want to, we want to go in a direction that magic comics haven't really done before. We mm -hmm. really want to aim at building, doing something big, doing something exciting and doing something that can act as sort of a tentpole for, um, you know, a franchise moving on down the line. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I was, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I just want to speak to that because this is um, for for any listeners who haven't picked up the magic comics yet. Uh, God, do it, please. Like, like, <laughs> uh, his magic has done like a couple comic runs before. Um, there's been uh, two, two separate um publications with IDW, and then like back in the 90s, uh, they had a couple 
aligns with uh, Armada. Um, but uh, it was always, um, especially the recent, uh, the more recent ones, the uh, the, the Dak Faden comics and the Chandra comics were were more of a side thing, kind of parallel and minor to whatever Magic Story was doing at the time. But this comic is really its own thing. Uh, this mm -hmm. is Magic's real first attempt at doing what is effectively a secondary continuity and mm -hmm. uh, really, really just letting itself be as big and exciting uh, as it can possibly be. This is this is not minor characters. We're dealing with the main characters of Magic doing things on a multiverse scale. And uh, we're going to talk this episode about uh, how big that scale is going to get. But... Um, yeah, I, I, I want to stress that this is like, this isn't a side story. This is its own main story starting out. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to see what's gonna happen from here, uh, just in terms of like this single narrative mm -hmm. and what the future of, you know, this this whole comic concept for magic. Yeah, because like when I when I started the, you know, my work on trying to figure out what the hell this is going to be, mm -hmm. um, one of my first questions like how how's the continuity going to work with this because yeah you know, I, I come from the marvel side right. of things where you know you have there's a lot of continuity you have to worry about there's a lot of hit mm -hmm. you know a, you know what piles and piles of history you got to figure out how it's going to fit in and you know wizards is very clear they say you know we want we're looking to expand magic out of just the card game and uh the novels and the short stories and that kind of thing we want to build different story families as they put it, and they want they wanted the comic books to be their own story family, and I think it, it's very interesting because I think that's something that kind of hurt us at the beginning, but later became a strength now that we're five issues in. In that, I'm sure you've probably seen people say like, "Well, is this canon?" Yeah. Say no, and they say, "Well, we don't we don't really give a shit then." But <laughs> the th the thing is, because it is canon, is becoming our greatest strength. Or sorry, because it's not canon. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Uh, is becoming our greatest strength because we're able to do things on a scale that would be impossible if we're trying to dance between the raindrops, the official mm -hmm. story. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I, that, oh, sorry, that, that is the thing that I think really hurt those older comics is, you know, they weren't ever able to be center stage in a, in, in yeah, for sure. a metaphoric way. Um, they were always like off to the side. Yeah, because like this is not meant to be supplemental to you know whatever story is going on in the sets. Right. This is meant to be its own thing, and that's really exciting because we're taking these established characters and we're taking these established worlds, and we can do almost anything with them. You know, within within the realms of obviously a good story and mm -hmm. uh, the the licensor's agreement. Yeah, but you know we can take swings that would be impossible if we were adhering to canon. And I think yeah. that that's something that people are starting to see and starting to, you know, appreciate or be, you know, be entertained by. Yeah, and and like, I don't I don't think the initial resistance to that is very surprising. Uh, this is hmm. this is really no, the of first not. time in what twenty eight years that Magic has said, "Hey, what if we do something that's a separate canon from a source?" Because I I personally have a lot of issue with the way fandom uses the word canon. The, oh, it's sure. not that it's not canon; it's just a different canon. Uh, this this vaguely splits off around after War Wars kind of picks up after that event with mm -hmm. uh, Ralph Raska and Kai on Ravnica. Um, but uh, yeah. like <laughs> comics have always worked like this, right? Oh, the MCU sure. exists. It's different than the comics, which are different than the old '90s television shows you remember, which are different than the comics from the '60s, and like they all 
are real. Every iteration of Wolverine you see through all those things is the real Wolverine. They're just yeah. different interpretations. And uh, I, I'm amazed Magic didn't do this sooner. Um, but they it's very exciting that have. it's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, like I, I understand where you have. Sure. I mean, mag magic has been a, a you know a really vital and the uh, vital is important, but vital is like full of life uh, mm -hmm. property for you know ever since I was a kid. You know, back when I was buying cards and playing magic, and I understand wanting to you know want to protect that or to you know to try to you know build on that. But I, I think uh, I think this has really helped us you know getting away from that idea. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I I think that what I want to there's a certain kind of reverence you have to have for that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think uh, you see this a lot in like, especially now that like Star Wars is really proliferating a lot in, mm -hmm. in different kind of storytelling. Like how how does Star Wars look back on its own forty year forty four year history now? Oh, it's a uh, lot longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are we are in the the twenty twenties now, and I think the first one came. 77 that's 44 is it i don't know how to do math <laughs> I, I i have an arts background uh same i'm just, I'm just gonna but... <laughs> slowly back out of this one simultaneously um, the 70s are 30 years ago and 50 years ago yeah don't look i have there was a thing going around twitter uh yesterday about how it was the 30th anniversary of when like doug rugrats and one of the other nickelodeon shows premiered and i'm like are you serious <laughs> Uh, and then I sat here thinking that, like, Doug Funny, if he was a real person, would be almost 50. Oh, wow. And I hated that thought. Oh, no, please stop. Please stop talking. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, it's wild. Don't like it. Um, um, speaking of being old, though, uh, you kind of touched on this a little bit, buying cards back when you were a kid. I'm not saying that you're old. Magic is old. Um, I, I'm, yeah, just I'm, I'm fairly old. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just I'm curious about your background with the game now. Like, when, yep. when did you start playing? How did you start playing? Uh, so yeah, I started when I first went to my com local comic shop, you know, Comic Con, Charlottetown, PEI, what up, um, to buy Magic cards. That was for available was Fourth Edition and Ice Age. So excellent. Um, what is that like? Ninety six? Uh, yeah, would have been Ice Age would have been the end of ninety five, I believe. Yeah, so that's that's right when I started. Uh, my friends and I, uh, you know, we. I think we we got really into um, uh, like role playing games mm -hmm. for a couple of years. I bought like a used copy of the second edition of Shadowrun. We got like yeah. you know totally fired up on that, and then it's kind of a hop, skip, and a jump from that to Magic. Mm -hmm. So we so yeah, we there's like you know four or five of us. We would uh, you know rarely buy packs. Usually go sifting through the uh, the common and uncommon uncommons bin, mm -hmm. and that's just kind of how it started up. And then gradually it you know, snowballed into a bigger thing and then uh, basically just kind of dropped out of it around around 2001 when I went to university. Yeah, that was a, I think that was a pretty popular time for people to drop out of it. Um, <laughs> it yeah, it would have been around yeah. Prophecy, I think. Yeah, that was not a very yeah. popular <laughs> Well, Prophecy doesn't, like, I went to look back on it because I was like, oh yeah, that was the last set that I bought any cards from, uh, I think. And, um, like has it ever been explained how the how the Keltons invaded Jamora? Like they're on the other yeah, side no. of the fucking planet. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank like, you. I, it I makes a bunch, no sense. I bought a bunch of the Art of Magic the Gathering books when I started working, and like they're really great. I love them. Yeah. But I was looking at the map at Dominaria because I was like, hell yeah, Dominaria. You know, I go back to my back to you know my my place. Mm -hmm. 
And I was looking at the map. I'm like, there's Jamara. There's Kel. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes, it makes, oh. first of all, shout out to Ethan Fleischer again for getting that map published. And mm. I guess to Pete Benners for making the globe uh, in the first place all those years ago. Uh, but yeah, no, it just like, it makes, if you were if you were gonna start a war because you had this prophecy you thought was gonna come true and you were the like Benalia's right there. It's like but no, we gotta go we gotta go fucking you know maybe go flex on Jamora, like geez Louise. There aren't even that many people on Jamora. <laughs> it's just like uh, I mean not not shortly after, no. Ah <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, it's uh, yeah, I mean, no, a lot of Jamora is just missing now. Yeah. Uh, Pro- Prophecy had one narrative function, and that was to fridge rain before the invasion. Uh, uh, what are you yeah. going to do? Well, you're going to kill her daughter next, uh, apparently. <laughs> uh, well, you know, yeah, the comics uh... are a different continuity. Maybe Rain and, uh, and Hannah are alive. Who knows? I, or Elodomri, for that matter. <laughs> but uh yeah like my so like my background magic was basically in that period of time you know we went through mm-hmm. ice age uh and that sort of stuff and then you know i've got my card box still here it's got a bunch of old shit from like you know homelands like, i got mm-hmm. a lot of got a lot of love for homelands still um you know fallen empires i still really enjoy i like the, yeah. I love the fact that in in current continuity basically the entire island of Sarpedia is basically a ticking time bomb waiting for someone to yep. give them, give like the Thalids and Thralls and shit away to the mainland. Uh, and just, I, everyone's completely forgotten about it. And as soon as someone brings a boat there, they're fucked. Uh, I, I am a huge Fallen Empires fan. It is, uh, I think, one of the best narrative designs in early magic sets. Mm. Um, I, yeah. I am I'm I'm a big Homerid fan personally. Um, I mean, I I, I come from yeah. an island on uh, you know the east coast of Canada. It's, yeah, it's all it's all lobsters. Lo- lo- lobster central up there. <laughs> uh, uh, and then like you know that was you know the, and then the Weatherlight Saga kicking up where for the first time you had a cohesive story from yeah. set to set to set and it was really exciting. You know, going from Weatherlight and then like at first it just seemed like a bit of a laugh, but then you would go to Wrath and you're just like, oh shit, this is like the real deal. And then you just keep going and going, and characters are dying off, and characters are changing. And yeah, it was just it was it was a really exciting time for Magic that I still look look back on really fondly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would not be alone in looking back fondly on the Willow Light Saga. That is, um, when when you talk to older Magic fans, I think that is that is really the thing that really hooks them, which is makes sense. It was when Magic really tried to tell a overarching cohesive story that mm. was told both in novels and on cards and a couple comics in there. Um, yeah, and like, you know, and also it seemed to be kind of the first effort to really sort of get their shit together and like create yeah. a cohesive world that that I think, you know, the current state of magic really owes a lot to. It was a, um, God, uh, it really represented, or God, words, I'm going to start that sentence over. It really represented a, a big tonal shift behind the scenes mm. for how magic story was treated. Yeah, um, for sure. There is, uh, a lot of turmoil in early magic and there's a lot of fights over continuity and things start to get tightened up uh after um kind of while ice age and alliances uh and homelands are coming out things start to tighten up uh and then uh mirage and and that next year 
Oh man, I um, love Mirage Visions. We start tightening things up, and by the time Tempest, well, I guess by the time Wella Light comes out, um, continuity is solidified. A big part of that was uh, an RPG that never got published. Uh, they were they were tightening up continuity really? to publish that. an RPG. Yeah, uh, a whole big thing. Uh, you talk about Sarpedia as a ticking time bomb. Sarpedia was intended to be like the high level area where uh, you can't get <laughs> unless you're very powerful because filled with all these murderous thralls and things. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I want to so try, try and keep moving. Uh, Chris, oh, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you, you mentioned that you bought a bunch of art books uh, in preparation. Mm. Uh, did you like read any of like the old comic lines or like read the recent magic stories? Like how did you, what sort of research did you have to do to start writing the comics? Uh, I basically had two main sources. Uh, one was the uh, the Magic Fandom Wiki or MTG Fandom Wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from again, coming from Marvel, the Marvel Fandom Wiki is basically my lifeline yep. uh, as far as doing research goes. So the the Magic one is great. And the second was one of my best friends from high school who I used to play Magic. He's never gotten out, so no. he's kind of like my he's like my lore guru and like he's the guy I run stuff by. Mm-hmm. So. I'm like, oh, well, especially when I was starting out, you know, I was 20 years behind, right? Right. And I was like, you know what? I've, I've worked with comic, I've worked with like superhero comics, you know, for like 80 years of conduit. This can't be a big deal. And then I went and looked, and I'm like, holy shit, they put, they're not a lot of story in 20 years. Like, damn. Yep. <laughs> so I was basically starting from behind the eight ball and like trying to catch up and figure out what the hell I was going to, the sort of story I was going to tell and like what I could put into it. Like, it was, I, I didn't know about the mending. So like it's gonna be a planeswalker. Like planeswalkers are like gods, right? Like how the hell am I gonna make this story work? And they're like, no, no, the mending happened, and then the you other know, they're, they're significantly less powerful. I'm like, oh, all right, all right. Yeah, the mending so, can be explained as the authors of Magic Story going, man, planeswalkers are like gods. How am I gonna make this story work? Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. That's what I was trying to say. I was like, oh boy, this is this is gonna be really interesting. And I was like, man, this this uh, this Jace Bellerin guy seems to take a lot of shit for a planeswalker. I'm like, oh wait, hang on. That, that poor boy, he's so much gets put on his shoulders. He doesn't deserve that. He needs a vacation. Ah, he's got it coming. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so so I guess that leads to to one of our questions. Uh, so you've done a lot of work for for Marvel and stuff. Uh, how how is working on Magic? Uh, how is working on Magic similar to working on superhero comics? And how has it been different? Well, it's very similar in the fact that there's a lot of sort of, it's like a shared shared world. It's not yeah. something that I'm making up. It's something that I'm working with at the sufferance of the people who own, you know, the copyright and the trademark, et cetera. Right. But the difference is that I'm the only person working in it. Right. Which is enormously freeing mm-hmm. because it's like... You know, when I work for Marvel, I generally don't, you know, I'm not a huge writer. I don't work for the big, big, you know, tentpole properties. Yeah. But when I work on Magic, I'm basically writing Avengers, you know? Yeah. And it's really interesting because I have the entire world to deal with and I can kind of just go nuts with it. It's not going to interfere with anybody else's book. It's not going to cause problems for the rest of the line Mm -hmm. uh, down the rest of the production calendar. So it's. I'm able to tell stories in a way that I can't really in the Marvel universe. And right. that's not, a, and that's not like a complaint or anything because it's, it's just, they're just different beasts. Right. But, Marvel has a thousand different cogs turning in one grand. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, a, a lot of different people all trying to make a living 
at the same time playing with the same toys. Yep. Whereas with this, I, you know, I'm like, I want to, you know, spoilers for the comic book. If you haven't been keeping up, maybe don't listen. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, we maybe should have said that early. We're definitely (laughs) going to talk about spoilers here. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to throw an alien god from the 90s at the biggest city in this universe. And, you know, what up? Where that's that's not exactly something I could do in uh, the Marvel universe. So it's it was something that was a really steep learning curve at first. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone on, I've been really enjoying the sort of freedom to tell stories at a, a really an increasingly large scale, an increasingly mm-hmm. large scale of peril. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, I've been working on like number 11 today. So yeah, I know how this first 10 issue arc is going to wrap up and it's, yep. <laughs> it's, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be a thing. Let me tell you, like, I mean, after five, I think everyone is just sitting here going like, all right, six, six. Where is it at? Come on. (laughs) I mean, it's 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 going up in intensity with each issue. Like, you know, six is Jaya's story. Seven is, uh, as I believe I said on Twitter, like rip shit wild. Like it's I was going over Iggs art for it. And I don't know how that dude's still alive. Like he was working his fingers to a nub. The art is so good. You can just let the artist know that like that is one thing that we are all very much in love with. The writing is incredible, but the art is mind. Oh yeah. No, he's, he's done he's such an, such an amazing job. And like, he's a guy who is a magic dude. Like, you know, he will say like, I was making a commander deck when I got the email to see if I wanted to draw this book. So it's not like he was like, Oh, awesome. I gotta, I, I gotta figure out what these characters look like. He's like, hell yeah, I'm down to go. Like, let's roll. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's fast and he's reliable and he's just like really, committed to the book and yeah yeah, i've got nothing but good things to say about ig and the experience of working with him on this book yeah that that is uh one of the fun things about magic as uh an an ip that's been around for a while is uh you look at folks in all kinds of like adjacent industries uh Mm -hmm. and there's just magic fans everywhere um oh yeah and and you'll just like find them here and there and and the the you know uh, magic has uh touch professional sports in america hunter pence uh, over in baseball and um why am i blanking on the football player who's been on game nights a couple times that's just marsh there we go um you know and like hunter pence just uh well i had a had an alpha black lotus or on on a chain around his neck at a thing recently wow wow that's like, a flex yeah I, i'm yeah. here for it something that's awesome. like that <laughs> uh yeah no like no, that, that's what happened Magic is just this big cultural icon, so it gets to like touch a lot of other. It's just people everywhere like have pockets of, of yeah. magic fans, and and that and that's neat. Uh, There's a lot of overlap. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think we're just gonna say the words right. We're at this point. You've hinted at it. It she's uh, theoretically gonna be out of the bag or the frozen lake soon. Let's talk about merit age. Uh, Let's talk about <laughs> Merit Lage. <laughs> so, I, I don't know how much uh, how familiar you are with the Vorthos cast. I, mean, I know you mentioned you listened to a few episodes. Um, there was a long running, I won't say joke. No, gag. it was a joke. It was a joke about Merit Lage. You was a joke. Podcast. I was serious. <laughs> uh, no, actually, that was the first. The first I heard about it was because you had, or sorry, someone had. Um, replied on a, a tweet I put about magic. And you're like, oh, we talked about this in the Vorthos cast. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll listen to the Vorthos mm-hmm. cast. And um, 
the way that, you know, you folks are talking about Merrill Age and like, oh, it's going to be Merrill Age. Like, no, but it's, it's, it's a meme, it's a joke. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck anyone's talking about here. <laughs> the okay. one time I expressed <laughs> out, the one time. That was me and Brian, yeah, on our uh, our last comic episode. Okay. Um, um, Lorelai can explain the, the history I'm, of Merrill Age. I'm going to get us why Merrill Age is very important to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, because she's awesome. Yes. Uh, so, a bunch of years ago, Wizards did a pair of magic sets, uh, Shadows of Innistrad and Eldritch Moon, that involved uh, Emrakul's invasion of uh, Innistrad. And right. uh, a big theme of Shadows of Innistrad was that we're looking for clues to what mysterious thing is causing trouble here. And um, it, there were a bunch of card arts that were red herrings, that were deliberate um, oh. references to past cards um, to kind of throw people off the search. And one of them is a card that had art that was eerily similar to the Merit Lage token from Cold Snap. Um, okay, cool. And so a bunch of people were like, it's got to be Merit Lage. And me, I, you know, I wasn't working with uh, Wizards in any capacity at the time. I was just someone writing articles on Tumblr because it's a free publishing website. And I was like, no, actually, there's like 60 pieces of art in the set that point to Emrakul. It's not Merit Lage. Sure. Um, and, and so, oh, what could the mysterious thing be? It's Merit Lage is a thing that just kind of started <laughs> happening in the community. And gotcha. uh, it, it got to the point uh, in in the first year that we had the podcast where uh, someone, you know, a mystery would happen in Magic Story and someone would go Merit Lage. And then I would exhaustingly say <laughs> it's never Merit Lage. Um and and at the time I started making those jokes, uh, I had uh, I I also write and flavor text for cards, and I had worked on uh, the first Modern Horizons, which had a, a Merit Lage card in it, Merit Lage's Slumber. So I knew that about in about a year there was going to be a new Merit Lage card, um, and uh, I I was hoping we would get to preview that card uh, a year later, and we ended up uh, we ended up being able to arrange that, and that was very fun. But uh, leading up to that. Uh, it's never Merit Lage basically became a running gag on this show uh, until the card, you know, we got to preview the card and say, hey, it's finally Merit Lage. Uh, so so we have we have we have a lot of affection for her as a character. Uh, I personally love Cosmic Horror. Um, I think Merit Lage is very cool. She's a very unexplored villain space in magic. Uh, I've had my own personal ideas about how I would incorporate Merit Lage into a narrative if I was given that kind of opportunity. Um, so... I didn't, I was hesitant at first when people started thinking about, hey, what if it's Merit Lage? Because yeah, I'm sitting here going like, look, it's never Merit Lage. That's like just, it's just never Merit Lage. But then like, I looked back at the comics uh, and, uh, you know, there was a comic in, or a comment in uh, either the first or second issue from uh, one of the, the priests at the hospital about uh, how they worship an ancient, they're, you know, we're guildless. We worship an ancient sea god. Mm-hmm. um and uh holy you know, uh, holy brine yeah mm-hmm. and and uh a bunch of the architecture of the hospital has these like big ice-like crystals and and, and I, I just looked at everything and i'm just like it really is gonna be marilyn though <laughs> isn't it um, like yeah and like and like every, and, like, every and, interview and, and tweet i do i'm like i've got a pom two pom-poms one says ice the other says age <laughs> <laughs> uh and like like he even hid the name uh in when when Lazav speaks it into the dreams and it's like they wouldn't be that secretive unless it was really juicy and i see where the things are going and the juiciest thing they could do right now is actually just have it be merit laid 
Because well, here I've got one for you. Yeah. In, that, in issue three, when mm -hmm. uh, Garm actually, I guess he's never named, but the Abbots, yeah. you know, goon, right? The guy, you know, the guy who dropped the brain bomb on Jace, yeah, the guy yeah. who was mm -hmm. doing the uh, assassination campaign to frame the Demir. Yeah. Um, when he goes to meet his crew of, you know, I don't guess mm -hmm. one of them say they're merely aged cultists. He says a glyph that's like yes. a symbol, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, it was an idea by Amanda LaFranco, who was the artist, or sorry, the editor at the time, that is echoing the tree from the art of Merit Lage's uh, Wrath of Merit Lage. Oh my God. Oh my God. Because I saw oh. that and I said something. I was like, man, this kind of looks like a tree or like a, yeah. like a vein or something. Like it's not, it's not, a, it's not yeah. a one to one silhouette, but mm -hmm. it's, it's meant to be evocative An of echo. that tree yeah. from that, like, you know, one of, you know, three Merit Lage cards at the time. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I'm so mad I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And what uh, that that is is that the which is the assassin that goes into the sewer that like gets all tentacly yeah, and elderly. That's, that's, that's the same guy, Garm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean again, uh, I, I don't I don't think he's actually ever named in the book, but that's what I write it call him in the script. Uh yeah. Uh wow. Yeah. So, I, I started thinking about it with the brine, uh mm. and like the ancient sea goddess. I was like, oh, I I wonder if they would do this and then like I just was like, you know what? I'm committing. It's Merit Lage. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, a big part of it too, because like I love, I've always loved the card, the Brian Shaman. And mm -hmm. I love the flavor text. It's so good. You know, the, the, the Shamans of Merit Lage do her bidding in secret, but they do it gladly. I'm like, man, mm -hmm. that fucking rules. I love it. Mm -hmm. And like at the end of issue four, when mm -hmm. Raoul says to um, the abbot, he's like, I know the name of your god. It took basically every ounce of self-restraint not to have the abbot say, "We do her bidding in secret, but we do it gladly." Because I would like give the way game, give the game away entirely. Uh huh. Oh, but that uh, was such a good moment too. Yeah, yeah. We've we've talked on the podcast in the past about uh, you know Merritt Lage has almost nothing officially established in lore no. and is a character that garners so much attention from the community, partially because Dark Depths as a card is very powerful uh, legacy combo piece that kills people in one turn uh, because mm -hmm. Merit Lage is a 2020. Uh, she is literally the biggest creature in magic, you know, outside of well, uh, the, the unsets. Yeah. Um, but like, <laughs> I mean, I get, again, I remember the nineties. I remember the BFF. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I guess uh, this is all lead up to the question. How the hell did you end up on Merit Lage for this? Talk about well, that. When I was starting to put the, the book together, there's a lot of back and forth because like mm -hmm. I, I came up like my first idea uh, i was like oh there's this weird plane that kaya gets stuck on and it's full of like 90s uh magic creatures and you know she's trying to get uh, hold of jace or for ravnica and they're going to try to figure it out you know i had like chandler and joven as her sidekicks which i was like super psyched about Oh, that but, would have been really well received. Those are yeah, my favorite I, characters. I love those dudes. And but then they're like, you know, like don't like they're like don't don't make a new plane. We have so many planes. Like, why are you making a new plane? I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, right. So then I was like, okay, well, that's when the you know the kind of current iteration came around. We'll set it Ravnica. There's going to be uh, an evil cult. And I was like, well, it could be Merit Lage. I'm like, ah, oh, but but I could again, the, you know. The, the ego of the comic book writer comes out like, or oh, I could make something new that people will remember me for. So I was like, because uh, again, the, the first idea was Merit Lage. I was like, no, it's going to be like a polar crack in Planeswalker. 
and like you know they go around they you know polar krakens you know they eat lands and you know goes around basically eating planes and they're like don't make new planeswalkers like we have so many planeswalkers use planeswalkers you already have i'm like okay well how about merit lage like okay good well, we will use merit lage then so it's kind of like my uh my safety uh mm-hmm. when all my homebrew bullshit got turned down probably for good reason well uh, it, it is absolutely working in the story um there, there's something really special about having this sort of familiar character mm-hmm. uh, who, like we said, has like, no, there's no story for Merit Lage. Merit Lage exists on flavor text and on like a exactly. couple of cards. Uh, um, uh, and a, yeah. a handful of lines in, uh, I believe, the Eternal Ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, uh, like it, it's, it calls back to sort of like my, my pedigree of magic. Yeah. Right. Where like you know I have I have a lot of affection for Ice Age. I have a lot of affection for you know Fallen mm-hmm. Empires, uh, Homelands, Visions, and whatnot. And it's it's something I really like to call back to my real connection to the game. Mm-hmm. And I think you know bringing Merit Lays to the fore is kind of my love letter to my period of magic. You mm-hmm. know from like ninety five to two thousand one, which. I mean, I understand why they shot down my first pitch, which is basically like, you know, whoops, all 90s references. But, you know, this is... <laughs> we this had is my... that. It was called Time Spiral. <laughs> I know, it was awesome. <laughs> but, and, and then also, you know, uh, Modern Horizons 2, they had Asmoranta Cultacar, you know, actually getting a card, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Asmoranta yeah, like and a cool to come. Yeah, come on, give me a break, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's... Uh, it's, it's it's a callback to things I really like and, you know, really value and have a lot of affection for in magic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's, and also I'm, I was just shocked that nothing had really ever been done with Merit Lage. Right. In so well, long. Yeah. And, and part of what I was thinking is like, she's Merit Lage is like this, you know, really big fan favorite character with like no story. Uh, and then you take uh, Kaya, Ral and Vraska who are big fan favorite characters of the modern era who have a ton of story mm. <laughs> and like, so you put them all together in one big story and it's just like, I don't know, it just works really well. Like the combination of, especially those characters with like this story of, of Merit Lage and we get Jaya just for a minute at the end of issue five and we get some Teferi in there too. And it's sort of like, hey, here's all these like modern characters. And now we're also going to like drill back all the way into Ice Age and mm-hmm. bring this like massive cosmic horror into the magic story with these like modern characters and i mean the thing to remember too is teferi is also a character of my vintage you know he, oh, yeah. he turned mm-hmm. he turned up he turned up in uh in, Mir- in mirage or no yeah mirage yeah mirage mm-hmm. and uh so when i started going back to do my research teferi was the only planeswalker i knew mm-hmm. and, and karn i was like oh karn, karn became a planeswalker good for him yeah um, yeah <laughs> well, it's actually very bad for him but, yeah, I mean, sure, sure. <laughs> I, I later found that out. I was like, ooh, ooh. Kind of bad for the multiverse, too, actually, in the long scheme of things. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, well, Karen's got a lot to answer for, uh, that, that silver bastard. Um, he carries the sins of his father. I mean, true. If you, if you look where that spark came from, he could have done a lot worse. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just want to like touch for a moment on those modern characters of, of, mm-hmm. Raya, uh, of Rao, Kaya, and Vraska. For sure. Um, I know I'm I'm speaking for a lot of people here, but they are like perfectly written in the story. Oh, thank you. God, um, they're they're so good. Like there was a moment, I think it's issue five, or it might have been issue four, where all three of them are talking in like the same panel. And each one of them has a very distinct voice. 
and they all just fit perfectly to their character. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are characters that we've had through uh, multiple novels at this point, tons of short stories. Uh, They've existed in cards for years now, and they're really well-developed, and they're captured perfectly in this comic. And so, like, what, like, preparing to write those characters, did you do a lot of reading of, like, the the Gathering Storm and Forsake it? Well, need to read that one. Um, (laughs) I I, I did uh, did burn through... Uh, forsaken sort of a skim to kind of figure things out a bit mm-hmm. but i mean I, I i didn't do a lot of official reading to get these mm-hmm. characters um a lot of it was you know i would read their histories and then based on that i would, I would extrapolate what i thought they would be like you know and of course mm-hmm. you know based off of bits and pieces of their opinion but anyway, i didn't sit and read all the novels that they mm-hmm. uh, appeared in just because I, I literally don't have the time. I write a lot yeah. of comic books. You don't need to. Uh, oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so a lot of it is just sort of, I picked those three characters because A, I thought they were an interesting cross-section of characters to bring to magic. Um, you know, a non-human, a woman of color, and, um, you know, a gay, a gay man. And I thought it was, I thought they would have interesting personalities to bounce off one another and then you know all them being guild masters of ravnica just tied them together in a way where you start out they don't particularly like each other very much mm-hmm. and as we're going through the um as we're going through the story they're you know they're gradually becoming closer and you know becoming a team becoming friends uh you know i think you know maybe maybe found family is a bit of a stretch but uh it's you know they're, they're all characters i really like for different reasons um you know i i I know, again, like for my, my old friend who's played Magic for a long time, he's like, I was like, oh, I'm going to write a Magic comic. He's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be about Jace. I'm like, shit, are people getting tired of Jace? So, so I was like, no, J- Jace is going to be the damsel in distress here. You know, they, they yeah. have to go save Drake. They have it. to go save Jace. So good. Uh, I, yeah. I adore the dynamic of Jace being the damsel in distress that Baraska has to rescue. It is adorable. <laughs> it is perfect. It is like... I know a lot of big time Jason Braska fans who have been looking at these comics and being like, yes, this is exactly the kind of Jason Braska score stories we want to be reading about. Uh, and, and a lot of people are just really happy with, with how that whole got the, when the line, the line from issue three, uh, is that the one where Braska explains when she fell in love with Jace? Cause that yeah. moment, yeah, that, that moment that, just absolutely. I almost cried. I was like, this is beautiful. But yeah, it, that even was, just that like, was one of the best lines ever wrote, right. I think. <laughs> I was very pleased with that one. But even the moment, you know, when they're when they're about to storm into the hospital and uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, Aurelia comes down to uh tell them to stand down and Ral and Kaya are like, Yeah, okay, okay, but Raska's like, screw you, pig, I'm gonna <laughs> go through you and your army, and I'm gonna go save my male wife and <laughs> save the day, and just like I love that energy. That energy is fantastic. Yeah, Vraska was a real surprise because I like I thought Kai was gonna be my favorite. And you know, mm-hmm. I you know, I, I really like Kai and I really like Rao, obviously it's why they're in the book. But Vraska mm-hmm. just really stole the show as I was writing it. I was like, man, she's just like she's such a stone cold bitch, but also <laughs> she's just so vulnerable and bad at connecting with people. Uh-huh. That uh I I you know, I really love her. And, you know, again, this, like, relationship with Jason, like, you know, I know they broke it up in the, the main continuity. I was like, fuck that, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. Uh, because it's just, like, 
it's it's so good because she's so mean and she's so you know she was a villain and then jace is kind of like you know this this dipshit protagonist and they just came together and it really works yeah the 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 sort of so like solidifying of their their relationship with each other was done over the the Ixalan stories mm-hmm. um which are considered by a lot of people some of the the best magic writing um cuz the the characterization of them like you said like Frasca is this villain and she's like very stony exterior uh oh, yeah. making a little pun, pun there with um her Hey-o. you know uh but she's you know she's kind of stone-faced like you said she's you know this like domineering powerful character and then jace who is like her sworn enemy uh falls into her lap and completely like he's completely vulnerable and there's something about that that she connects to and over the course of the ixalan story like their relationship develops and it's beautiful and then i kind of ignore anything they did with it after that because it doesn't really you know i don't like it uh and then you make these comics where i'm like all right i get to experience this this relationship that was so beautiful and wonderful again um and sort of delve into these characters and i'm i'm ready for jace to come back into the story um i miss him i hope he shows back up in one of the new these coming up issues uh because i want to see them interact together and not just frasca chasing after her damsel in distress i want to see what happens when she gets him yeah and the thing is the frasca too where you know she rolls into the hospital with her you know her crew and they have a bunch of you know patients in front and she's like don't think this is going to stop me i will roll over basically anybody to get mm-hmm. what i want and it happens like oh, yeah. oh shit but then you know then aurelia shows up and brassica calls her boros pig and great because, because the whole thing um yeah i i like her a normal amount <laughs> um, <laughs> i i just like i, I really appreciate to um there there was a big internal tension with her of um you know, she cares so much about so many people and that pulls her in a yeah. lot of different directions. She, you know, she has to stand up for the downtrodden of the Golgari and she has to stand up for Jason. She has to stand up for Rel and Kaya and she has to stand up for yeah. the good of Ravnica against extra planar threats. And she, she just puts, there's, it's so much all the time. Um, and it, it makes her very hardened in some ways and very vulnerable in other ways and she's just deliciously complicated in the way I love character. Uh so, I mean, so th- thank you for putting all of that into the comic. Oh thank you. But I mean like the thing with Frasca is that of the three of them, she's the only one or not the only one, but she's the one who's you know most not qu- maybe not qualified, but he's, she's the one who should be the guild a guild master the most. Like kinda right. should be a guild master. Mm-hmm. Kinda kind of want to be master. <laughs> She basically uh, got tricked into being a guildmaster. You know, Rao was given the title, but, you know, uh, Vraska literally killed people so that she could better look after her people. And yeah. I think that's really interesting. She's, you know what, she's, she's literally a revolutionary who has won her revolution. Yeah. Um, you know, she, like, she, she murdered the former Zorius guildmaster. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, she I mean, yeah, she was coming. Yeah, well, sure. That's why I said it was awesome. You know, yeah. then, she, then she murdered her own guildmaster, and it was also awesome. Correct. Uh, so speaking of like the cool planeswalkers, is there a mm-hmm. planeswalker that like you really want to write but you haven't had the chance to yet? Uh, no spoilers for the future of the series, I guess. But like, I know you mentioned Teferi being back from your vintage, and we got a little bit of Teferi, and it was a really good Teferi. Well, I really love Teferi's uh, moments. 
especially just the way he talked about Niambi and uh, uh, Subira. Mm. Um, but like, is there another Planeswalker that like you would love to write into a comic? Maybe not this one, but maybe this one, just any in general? Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Um, I will say that, and again, this is, this, these are scripts that are pre uh, wizard's approval. So, you know, things mm -hmm. may change, but I was very surprised how long it took for me to put Angrath in a script because oh. uh, I had, again, my, my, I keep going back to my buddy, Tom, but you know, he would keep trying to get me back into playing magic. And at the mm -hmm. time, this is before I was writing comics professionally, I was even working at a grocery store. So yeah, you should, you should uh, get back into magic. I'm like, I have no money. Like, how am I going to play magic? And I'm like, I remember this shit. So anyways, he, this is back in Ixalan. So he's like, yeah, well, the new set's about, um, you know, pirates and dinosaurs and vampires. Like, shit, you, know, you got me. Because, <laughs> you know, I love, I love pirates. Mm -hmm. uh, so he got, you know, he brought over a couple of the, the pre-made decks. I had the Angrath pirate deck. So it was awesome. Um, so later on, uh, you know, I brought Angrath in for, uh, you know, big Planeswalker party. And... I was like, man, how did it take me so long to bring in Angrath? Because, like, Angrath is, like, he's a blue-collar worker. He's a dad who just cares about his kids. But he's also incredibly angry all uh -huh. the time. <laughs> like, he's basically an 80s slash 90s sitcom dad. And uh -huh. he's so good. Like, I love him. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm excited for some Angrath. He's, a, he's another, like, fan favorite who just doesn't have a lot of story. But mm. everyone wants more of him. Because he's, you know, like you said, he's, he's a... Mm. He's angry cow dad. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, he's he, he's a he's a worker. You know, he's uh, he's not part of the petty bourgeoisie. <laughs> but um, yeah, and it, which is you know, which is a big step for me because you know I, I have my lifelong uh, allegiance to blue. So to mm -hmm. embrace a red character is is a step. Uh, I mean, I will never embrace a green character, believe me. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, and I, I was very happy to get angry. Hopefully, he will survive. Um, the editing process but uh, it was a lot of fun to bring him in so like sort of like coming off of that question um you've written a lot of marvel comics and this was mm -hmm. just something i was wondering are there any marvel characters that you think would make really fun planeswalkers like either as like a hero or a villain or just like someone who you think would just plop into the the magic world and be a really good fit as a planeswalker well that's tough uh like Automatically, it's not something I really think about because I mm -hmm. I don't like crossovers like that usually. Like I, you know, I don't like my food. I don't like my you know food to touch on the plate. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like I don't know. Obviously, like obviously, but the, the default answer would be like you know Doctor Strange or something like that because you know mm -hmm. I like writing Doctor Strange a lot and I think he would really find it fascinating to uh, to enter this this particular multiverse of madness. But uh, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm I. I thought about the question uh, since you sent mm -hmm. it to me, and I honestly do not have a satisfactory answer. Well, I yeah, think I can. Strange mm -hmm. is a great answer on its own. Um, Scarlet Witches would be an also a great one. Like, if I'm thinking of like a secret layer that they release and it's Marvel characters, those two would be the first two that I think of as Planeswalker cards. So, mm. or Doctor yeah. Doom. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, my my first thought is you just plop Spider Man down in Ravnica. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be perfect i mean he would have a panic attack so bad that it would literally kill him yeah but like he would be able to swing forever yeah <laughs> there's no running out there's no central park that you have to worry about yeah well uh i think we're getting pretty close to the end of our normal uh time here uh any other like last thoughts you want to share about the comics um try to think of any uh any other thoughts or ideas 
Uh, oh, someone asked, can you talk a little bit how your version of Niv-Mezid evolved, which actually is a, a useful question. Yeah, you turn and him that, into a robot. Yeah. and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's cool actually, as hell. That actually <laughs> had a very, very specific purpose because when we're, I, I mentioned before that we wanted to really signal that we are out of the, the canon of the card game and we were mm -hmm. our own story family. And that was basically our, at the very, well, second page, uh, call out was that here's Niv-Mezid, he's a robot now. So things that you may expect to be one way are not necessarily going to be that way. And RoboNiv was our, you know, basically our, our flying our flag in that respect because, mm -hmm. you know, we wanted to call it out because we were like, well, how are we going to say this? Like, is, is, there, is Ravik going to be like, you know, totally shithoused after the War of the Spark? Is that how we're going to put it out there? Or like, you know, how can we tell people from the get-go that this is going to do its own thing? And RoboNiv was sort of the flag that we planted in order to do that. Yeah, right. You you can't have Ral turn to the audience and in a very Deadpool <laughs> way go, "Hey, by the way, we're in a new canon now." Yeah, uh, it's like, "Hey, you you uh, you think we're going into uh, Zendikar Rising? Absolutely not." <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to Ral World. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of the reason for RoboNiv, and then sort of the extension thereof, like. The, the Guild Pact, as we know it, as a magical agreement in our Ravnica does not exist. Uh, where instead we have the Guild... When we refer to the Guild Pact, we refer to the, um, the heads of the Guild coming together with Niv-Mizzet as the chair. Um, and that's, that's, that's where Robo-Niv came from, and that's the, the reason hmm. for it, which is to, you know, to signify from the get-go, things are different. And, yeah. and also, if things are different, that means no one is safe. Right. Like, you know, uh, I'm just going to speak in hypotheticals. You could just kill off Ral in the comic. Certainly. And, and, I mean, and if I, you do, I will I, find I, you. <laughs> I mean, but, that, but like, that, that, that gets into barrier gaze. So we'll, you know, we'll probably pump the brakes on that. But yeah, <laughs> certainly. Um, but like, you have a lot more free, like, Right. Yeah, if, absolutely. If if we're we're not affecting the main magic continuity and and it's not affecting us, which we get to do whatever. And and I think that's a cool place to be in because it gives you um gives you a lot of freedom to uh really just tell the stories you want to tell how you want to tell them. Um because and, like here's the thing, when I'm writing Black Cat, mm -hmm. I could set up a situation where New York is in peril, but I cannot destroy New York. Right. However, if I if if hypothetically speaking, Marilage were to be summoned to Ravnica, that is a thing I could do because who is going to stop me, and why? Well, hopefully, Rao, Kaya, and Braska will stop you. I um, mean, ideally, <laughs> yes, but you know what? Not we'll some find you know. out. Uh, <laughs> they, they, haven't had, they haven't had a great track record so far. Yeah, I, they've I, not I, they've not been doing so great. <laughs> So um, yeah, like that's 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 the freedom of being out of continuity or out of canon because there are many options open, and mm -hmm. the option that happens is not necessarily the one you would expect. Yeah, and um, I, I guess for uh, a little uh, end on a on an issue six preview, it also lets you do things like flashbacks. Uh, we we are going to have a Jaya Ballard Ice Age flashback issue, uh, which I'm really excited about. I love Jaya. That's right. We uh, we have Jaya. We're following her from when she's 19 years old. It's a task mage. She's never heard of the word planeswalker uh, up until, you know, 
her her spark ignites and she becomes like unto a god of fire. So oh, it's so excited. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. You know, we have we have you know our guest artists in. Ig is doing the, um, the 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 portions of the story that follow after you know our three planeswalker heroes meet Jaya, mm-hmm. uh, and then our, our guest artist is doing the um, the flashbacks back to the yeah. Ice Age. Yeah, that, that's so, a that's a fun way to do it to kind of set it apart from timeline. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm really excited um, as we go through Jaya's life uh, when she becomes <laughs> when she becomes a plane wa- planeswalker and her spark ignites. Uh, she has a braid, but the uh, the end of the braid is on fire, kind of like Charmander's tail, which is delightful. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and I also got to call out by name the uh, High Alturus uh, Lemures, so I'm very, very pleased with myself. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, like, I I love Jaya. She's a... My my number one goal as a flavor text writer is to one day get Jaya flavor text published. I want to like be able to say <laughs> I was part of that great legacy of flavor text. Uh, she's uh, she's a character I have not gotten to write for Arena yet either. I am I am dying to write her one day. I'm extremely <laughs> jealous. Uh, but uh, yeah, look, really looking forward to issue six. Uh, we'll in a, a couple of weeks uh, have uh, have an episode uh, going more in depth on on the issues five and six themselves. Um, but otherwise, uh, I, th- I think, uh, this is about where we to, uh, end this episode. Uh, so right. Jen, thank you so very much for coming on the show and talking about the comics and also thanks for making them because they're great and we love them. Oh, thank you. Well, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to, uh, talk to you all about the books and, um, yeah, uh, I'm always happy to come back anytime you want to talk more about them. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe once we get to the 10th one's release and we have the end of this arc, we can call you in to uh, yell at you for killing off. I'm sure one of our favorite characters. Um, yeah. That, that'll be a whole conversation. So if you folks out there listening uh, are also really excited to see where this comic is going and want to talk about it with other uh, Vorthoses from around the world, you can head over to patreon.com slash the cast and help support our show today. Everyone who does gets access to our discord community where we're talking about the comic and the main magic storyline. We're about to head into midnight hunt preview season. So get excited for that. It's Halloween on Innistrad. It's going to be great. I, I can't wait for everyone to see the art that comes out of the set. It's wonderful. Um, but uh, we, we have a, a, a great community that we would love you folks to be part of. Uh, so if, the, if that is uh, something that interests you, um, we would love to see you there. Uh, we are appreciative of all our patrons and all our listeners. So uh, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast. <laughs>